Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am James, and with me is Joe. Good day, guys. And unfortunately, Chris could not make it uh, to this episode, but he will be with us in spirit. Uh, but we do have a special guest. Uh, Josh Bernhardt is here with us. Hello, everybody. And I like to think I'm a pretty good fill-in for Chris. <laughs> he's, he's a very good fill-in for Chris. And Chris would be Confidence. here and it would be a four-man show. I could say you just couldn't make this recording today. But he will be with us in spirit and he will come up a lot during this episode. Uh, but... So Josh is here because Josh is a friend of all of us. Uh, he is a friend of Mint Condition. Uh, I was trying to think about uh, before we were recording, like how what direction we would go to sort of like good, give a good timeline for the audience. Uh, but I think probably the best way to Josh kick off your introduction would be like let's let's just talk about your history of Mint, and then we can always backtrack or go forward from there. Sure, sounds good. Um, my history with Mint. Um, obviously, I was trying to rack my brain in preparation for this episode, but um, I started being like a mint regular. I, I have to, it's got to be like 94, like the summer of 94. I think I was there. I was in there um, every day. Uh, certainly 95, 96. Like that was sort of those three years, I think, were uh, my period of when I sort of lived in the store, um, uh, uh, basically. And what brought me there, well, it was a couple of things. Um, first of all, um, it uh, may be sacrilege to say on this podcast, but I am not and never have been really a huge comics guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, you have courage. So I have to say, yeah, so I have to say that. I have to say that uh, uh, right off the bat. I mean, I certainly like there are comics I read. I own a lot of comics. Like I just, but like you know, that's just not my. For whatever reason, uh, which um, you know may be fodder for a whole other episode at some point. Like I would love to chat uh, with you guys about like uh, uh, you know like how to uh, convert someone to comics. I think that would be interesting. But uh, uh, what uh, drew me into the store was um, it was either one of two things. I knew the reason I started hanging out there regularly was definitely uh, Magic: The Gathering because my friends played it, and that's uh, where we went to to buy the cards. Um, I remember at the time, I think Revise had just come out, like that was the main thing, and there was like one or two small um, a kind of expansion set. So not at the very beginning, but uh, uh, you know, uh, Magic is obviously uh, still around right now, so so it's, it's, it's basically the beginning. Um, um, uh, but then, uh, so it was that that uh, drew me in uh, with my friends, but then it also very much could have uh, there may have been like a Star Wars or Star Trek sign in the door uh, um, in the window that um, uh, drew me in because mm. I'm a big um, I was and continue to be a huge Star Trek fan, huge Star Wars fan and uh, you know all of the associated or most of the associated uh, yeah. uh, you know franchises that 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 uh, uh, comes along with. So uh, my interest in Mint was really, you know, it became sort of a, um, you know, a social hangout because, I mean, 94, 95, like I was uh, like I was a kid. I was 11 years old or, or 10, 11, 12 years old. And that was the only place that I found where there were people who liked the same things that I liked. Mm -hmm. Who I could who I could talk to, 
and sort of feel, you know, it just sort it, uh, they just sort of felt like m my people. And um, even though I wasn't really into comics, like, but like there was, you know, one of the few places where I felt like I could, I could, um, I could indulge my, my, uh, my passions and like uh, spend time and talk with people who understood me. So, uh, you I mean, know, that's the great thing about like, like Mint, like I said, you were apologizing for not liking comics, but that's okay because like that was the, you know, I'm going to call another reference that we'll have another episode about. Minkadish was the Babylon Five of, of places. Uh, you can, where are you going? Anybody, like anybody, anybody? I love from, that. Yeah, people from all different. You know, we had sports, as we talked about previously. We had sports fans. We had gamers. We have comic book collectors. We had sports memorabilia people. We had people into toys, statues. Mm -hmm. Like it was the that's you know, gotta like, be, meeting that's place be for everybody. Yeah, jo Josh is basically a place where you felt welcome and not out of place. Absolutely, yes, um, and. Uh, uh, Mint was the Babylon five. Like you've got to uh, make analogy. that into it. Oh, you've got it. It's a great analogy. I love that. And uh, uh, speaking of uh, a Babylon Five, like on the same note, I I remember very clearly, um, uh, whenever uh, 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 Mr. Gross was working, uh, which uh, was uh, less frequently, I think, than Mrs. Gross. Sorry, mm -hmm. sorry. That's how. Uh, I mean, that's how. At the time, I knew them as. Mr. Gross and Mrs. Gross, because yeah. I was a kid and they were adults. But, John and um, Joan, right? Uh, 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 John and Joan, yeah. Uh, when, um, I believe, I don't know if she, uh, I remember usually it was uh, Joan who was there uh, when I was there, but uh, but every once in a while I would um, uh, be there uh, when John was working the store. And I remember... Um, he was also a Babylon 5 fan, and he was one of the very few people that I knew in real life who, who watched um, uh, Babylon 5. And it was really cool because, like, he and I would uh, would be like, hey, did you see the last episode, blah, blah, blah. And for, for an 11-year-old, 12-year-old to be having a, you know, a serious conversation with an adult... Who was who? Who was uh, talking to me like a peer about something that I was into and he was into? Like, I couldn't have a conversation with like my mom about uh, uh, last week's episode of Babylon Five. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so um, uh, the idea that um, he would treat me like a peer, like an equal, and he was interested in what I thought and blah blah blah, and that. You know that for a twelve-year-old is a very special thing, and obviously, like I, I still remember it uh, very vividly uh, to this day. So it was, you know, it was. I think. Um, I mean, again, like it just was uh, for me a very special place where I felt understood and I felt like I belonged there. Yeah, I always appreciated, you know, uh, you know, John and Joan, or and to me, I was still young too. So Mr. and Mrs. Gross is how I always think of them in my head. Um, yeah, right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, they always they they had they, it was never any talking down or not uh, talking to any of their customers like on on the level they were at. So I I, I also appreciate that as well. Um, you know, I remember when it came out. This goes to a discussion for another episode. But when Star Trek Generations came out, I had a full on discussion with uh, Mrs. Gross too about it, and it wasn't like you know like it wasn't a talking down uh, or anything. It was just like two people talking about a movie, 
um, even though there yeah. was like a big age difference. So I definitely agree. Now, Josh, you you only remember the the Port Boulevard location, right? Or did you go to the Main Street one too? I had just missed, like that was like just before my time. Um, I, I don't think I had ever uh, gone inside. Okay. Um, because again, so um, uh, when did the fire happen? Like, like I remember uh, uh, people would talk about the fire. Like there was like the fire in the old location. Like it was sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, I guess to me it was like a part of like the the, the mythology of the oh, story. Very, very like, much so. Know, yeah. 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 But um, uh, no, I don't. I, I I don't think I was ever. I ever went inside the uh, of the Main Street uh, location. I, so for me, yeah. I, I think, Josh, they were there on Main Street two years. I could be wrong, but if my my recollection is correct, it was they were there be, between 88 and 90, and then the fire happened. Yeah, so I, like, so I would have been like, so I would have been like, I would have been like six years old. So, so, yeah. so I don't think, I don't think um, I would have, I would have gone at that time, but uh yeah, so for me, uh, uh, the Port uh, Boulevard location, and you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, especially those those summers when, um, again, I was there uh, basically every day. What 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 really sort of sealed the deal for me was so as I said, what what brought me there was um, you know Magic the Gathering, uh, which I was never um, really hugely into, but my friends were. So um, so it was sort of the excuse to like hang out because. Like that was sort of the buy-in, right? It's like you, you, you know, if you if you were willing to play magic, then you know you could hang out and be there. Um, and then I remember, I think, I think Mrs. Gross, uh, Joan, I, uh, <laughs> I will never get used to that. But um, <laughs> she told me that they were coming out with a Star Wars card game, and I was counting down the days until uh, Decipher Star Wars CCG was released. I believe it actually came out in, it finally came out in December of 90 of uh, 95. Um, and that was sort of like, you know, for me, like that was a combining the, the, um, the CCG aspect with, uh, you know, my, uh, my star Wars fandom. Uh, there was also a star Trek CCG, but as I recall, uh, um, I found the gameplay of that for the, the age, that I was to be um, less uh, dynamic or exciting for whatever reason. Like it was like, you know, sort of a slow, less exciting game. Um, well, that was how, and, and they, the, the, the Star Wars card game is, is how we met, if I'm correct, right? I think. Uh, most likely, yeah. Because uh, 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 you were, you were, yeah. You, well, John, I got, I started going there. Well, I was always going there. And then when the Star Wars came come out, me and John and Toby were playing. And I think yeah. I met you through either John or Toby because you were friends with John. You're friends with John's brother, or we're friends with John's brother right. at the time. And then, um, and was Chris? Chris wasn't in that circle yet, right? I'm trying to get all the math, <laughs> all the <laughs> connections down at this point. No, I mean, yeah, like that's about right. Yeah, Chris had uh, 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 Chris and I were friends separately. We we um, I always joke like he he was my he was sort of my my first friend like i've known him since i was like three or four years old but um at that time uh the uh the group of friends that i'm talking about that brought me into me initially uh chris was not a part of that uh, uh group at that time he became one 
and it's sort of intersected. And then obviously he he dove into mint and magic and all of that stuff like like he dove in head first. And uh, you know he um, he was still hanging and working at uh, mint and uh, uh, playing card games um, for CCGs long after I had uh, moved on to other things. So, um, but yes. And uh, my first memory of you, James, um, you, I, I had this, uh, a Darth Vader t-shirt that um, I remember very vividly that I, I don't know if you, if you recall, oh, but that's my first memory of you in my head is you in a Darth Vader t-shirt. Does that, uh, does that ring any bells? I had a few of them, so it definitely rings a bell. <laughs> um, you know, this will go on to a discuss another pod. I, I know we're dropping a lot of teasers, teasers, folks listening to us, but there will be another episode where we talk about like uh, Darth Vader and Hull. But at the time, I that Darth Vader, um, I was I had a lot of Darth Vader T-shirts, and I guess uh, upon upon being an older or more mature, wiser person, realized that. You know what? This is a bad dude. So maybe I, I don't want to be back on this guy's horse anymore. But at the time when we met, Darth Vader was cool, um, and I think I would his love look, to talk. Yeah, I would I love think, to talk more about that. At, yeah, at some point. Yeah, that's uh, um, I have a lot of I have a lot of questions for you um, because a lot of young people, especially uh, for some reason, are really attracted to Darth Vader, even though he's the bad guy. Yeah, I don't, I like, you know, he was, um, again, uh, we'll probably, we could probably extrapolate on this in another episode, and we will, but yeah. like, like right. Darth Vader at the time, you know, he was, he was seemingly cool to somebody who, I guess, entered the trilogy, and at least when we were growing up, I mean, I think the three of us in this room, when we say the trilogy, we mean four, five, and six. Yes, I know we, exactly. we have, yes. we have a lot of, we probably have a lot of listeners and friends who are younger and stuff and may think one, two, and three is their tril trilogy. And there's a probably a generation growing up that seven, eight, nine is their trilogy. But mm -hmm. when we talk the trilogy, it's, it's the original three, the, mm -hmm. the original three. And right. if you don't have the prequels, then you can get into your mind. Well, maybe at least when I was growing, I'm like, well, maybe Darth Vader sort of fell to the dark side in this more sort of romantic, noble way instead of the way we got. And it was before he was known for murdering children <laughs> and, and you know, because you never saw Darth Vader do anything really heinous on um, in the original trilogy. I mean, you know, obviously being a, a you know observer while a whole planet of people are blown up and torturing and torturing like his own daughter, you could speculate. But it wasn't to the point of where he was executing children mm -hmm. and and you know being all outgoing and, and murdering people blatantly. Like all that stuff was talked about, but you never saw it. So you, I guess as a young person with, with the way he looked and this vague backstory, you could, you could like say, Oh yeah, Darth Vader, you know, I can like Darth Vader, but now growing up and having the entire trilogy to sort of like inform my depiction of the character is like, this is a bad dude. And I'm okay with villains being villains. That's the other thing. I like, sure. I let, let's yeah. have a villain be a bad guy. Like not oh, every villain. Completely. Like not every villain and what Marvel and DC and, and a lot of like big franchises do is like, you know, oh, everybody likes this villain. So let's find a way to make this villain a good guy. So it's OK to like him. I, I think it's OK that Darth Vader is evil because he's supposed to be evil. Exactly. Um, he's a lesser evil than the emperor, but he's still evil. He's still evil. And you know what? The, the fascination about Vader, and I, I see it from my uh, love of Westerns. Uh, he's mm -hmm. the, he's the, uh, the guy in the, in the black hat. The guy in the black hat yeah, is always the bad guy. The, the black hat. 
the gunslinger, right? And so there's yep. always that fascination, especially as a kid growing up. I had that fascination with uh, with uh, the gunslinger. I knew he was the bad guy. I knew he was going to get it in the end. But there, there was still that um, you, you, you kind of started rooting from on the side just a bit. And um, uh, yeah, and I agree also, James, that um, bad guys need to be bad guys. I, I, I didn't. Yep. They, they gave me too much of, of Thanos's backstory in Avengers Endgame and uh, and um, uh, those movies and. Uh, you know, he wanted to kill half the universe. There's nothing good about that. There's no redeeming values in that. So let the bad guys be the bad guys. Let the heroes overcome them, arduously if need be. But you know, uh, and let's move on from and let's keep keep going. Yeah, I mean, you um, know, it is. Yeah, oh, sorry, you're asking. Sorry. No, let, 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 I want to. I want to hear your take on what we just extrapolate on since you asked the original question. Oh well, yeah. Well, just um, you know, in response to. Uh, oh, you guys are saying I totally agree. Let let uh, bad guys be uh, be bad guys. But what I think, you know, um, especially where storytelling has evolved to, especially in terms of, of TV and uh, uh, movies uh, uh, today, I think um, you know that um, the idea is that you want to. They want to make the villains' motivations understandable. Not necessarily, you know, you agree with them or you sympathize with them, but, like, there's a logic. You see why they could be be doing what... what uh, why they're, what they are doing makes sense to them. And I think what very often happens is they go a little too far where they they try to make them you know not likable but sort of you know sympathetic or you get too much information when when um they do they humanize them a little too much when you know in actuality you know i mean when it comes down to it they're just they're really bad yeah uh they're, they're bad people but i think that the idea is that you know, to avoid like uh, uh, a cardboard cutout uh, mustache twirling villain, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a little uh, less engaging. And I think that especially today, uh, there's certainly an expectation of a little more uh, dimensionality. So but again, uh, what ends up happening is that um, I think oftentimes that um, moves from you know, making sure that the villain has a consistent sort of internal logic or like worldview that you can understand what is motivating them, even though it's still, it, I mean, they're just, it's, it's, it's the wrong thing to do. Um, and you wouldn't agree with it. I, I think sometimes it, it, it crosses over into trying to engender sympathy from the audience or like, you know, the audience identifies that uh, they try to make the audience identify with uh, the villain, and depending on the um, the the kind of movie you're trying to make, like that can sometimes work, but sometimes like that can be a little more than you need, or it can be even be exactly. problematic. I mean, James, I mean, like you were saying, like you know, with um, I think a big misstep. I think that you know the depiction of the fall of Anakin Skywalker in the prequels uh, is is you know, um, not, shall we say, you know, you said it's not 
you know, romantic. It's not necessarily graceful no. um, in the way that it's handled. Or, no, and I or noble, th I think. There was no nobility to Sorry. it, really. Like, no, it was, this no. is not this fallen, this great fallen hero. Like, No, no. And I think that it certainly really tries to make it the the movie is is identifying with Anakin like like I think the movie feels for Anakin the movie wants you to feel bad for Anakin but I think it's a mismatch of sort of the, the authorial intention and what what he he being uh, George Lucas in this case uh, what he ended up actually saying um and i think uh, like you james like that scene where we literally have anakin slaughtering a room full of kids you know i don't like it's i don't sympathize with that guy no 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 it's fine it's yeah it's um again it's i will always go back to this we're talking star wars um and we'll talk it again but like Star Wars, I believe just as an artist and, and we're all makers of things in, in this podcast. And like, it's his, it's his, his, his ball to play with George Lucas at the time. Now it's Disney's ball and that's a whole bigger corporation. But at one point it was one man's vision. Mm -hmm. That's the way he saw it. I, I don't agree with Anakin in the first three. I never connected with Anakin. So I didn't care at the end. I'm just like, well, if you're going to connect that to the other guy who I kind of cared about, then I can't care about that guy either. If this is his backstory. So you know the rule of canon. Your 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 best writing is linked to your worst writing, and so that's how it sort of falls out with Darth Vader in my mind. Yeah, Josh, um, what, yeah. what you said about um, you know caring about the villain and and uh, fleshing them out. I agree with all that, but as James said, you can go too far with with Anakin's backstory. And if mm -hmm. the filmmaker is is so intent on having you, the audience, identify with the villain more than the more than the uh, the hero, I think that's a that's a recipe for disaster. But there are there are film villains, and my favorite, whether you say Marvel movie or MCU movie, my favorite villain in all those movies is Doctor Octopus in Spider Man Two, because mm. you see his fall from grace. You see, he was a good man. He was trying to do something right for the world, and it it, it went awry. And that's a, that's a common trope with villains throughout fiction, yeah. but. It was written well, and of course, it was a acted so well by Alfred Molina, who's a marvelous oh, actor. Yeah, no, he was fantastic in that movie too. He's fantastic in everything. But, yeah, but. he's so that's that's where you need to. It's it, that's a fine line to to uh, to um, walk. And I'll just go to the the point we were saying before about like backstories. We're both saying like they they try now to like give villains backstories, so you're sympathetic to them, or you can identify with them. And maybe it's because the, the way when this movie came out, it, he's a cultural person anyway so you, you so people go with their own expectations but Heath Ledger's Joker was a bad guy no backstory and oh, he yeah. just he was a villain there's no sympathy for the Joker but but played head-on is a, a very compelling character and not that you sympathize with him but you can engage with the movie and not have to feel sorry for the Joker or bad for him um, yeah, you're compelled by his deviance you're compelled by his his uh villain villainous his, his ferocity his his just his maniacal way he he, uh, he sees the world. I don't need to know anything about his backstory. I just want to. I'm looking at this character on the screen. I'm fascinated by how 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 uh, evil he is and, and the machinations that he's he's uh, heaping on Batman and Gotham City. 
Yeah, uh, I in think... particular with uh, the Heath Ledger portrayal, James, which which I think you invoke, right? You said you said uh... yeah, Heath Ledger. I've, I've not seen the Joaquin Phoenix movie. To be to be fair to to the audience who might yeah, be screaming, no. what about Joaquin Phoenix? I have not seen it, and I'm not discounting that movie. I'm just in terms of like I talking think you about mean Jared. I think you mean Jared. Oh, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Joker. The Joker. Sorry, the, the, the Joker. Yeah. I have not seen that yeah, movie. So, yeah. uh, but I, so I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm against a Joker backstory movie, but I'm just saying if we're talking about a villain can't be, like, if, if Hollywood feels like a villain can't be portrayed just outright as a villain, I think The Dark Knight shows you, you can. You can. can just, yes. Yeah. The other thing, too, with, um, I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker, um, uh, he kind of even goes the other way. Like, he, he keeps changing his backstory like he keeps he keeps um uh uh, uh telling people a, a different reasons for um how he got his his scars or am i making that up no 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 you do no, he that's, tells, that's tells, tells yeah three three different and stories the, I think, different story. yeah and the fact that he it's like we are getting backstory but but he's he he's he's lying and making contradictions and he's contradicting the backstory. Like it, uh, uh, that makes it more compelling that we don't know mm-hmm. what, what the truth is. And it's more like, it's like, you can't, he's so compelling to watch. Like you can't, he's just a force of nature. Ah, but, excellent. Right. Excellent, and, and yeah. Remember Alfred does tell, tell Batman, some men just want to see the world burn. Yes. And, and that is very much a force yes. of nature. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like some men just want to see the world burn. And I think, you know, reckoning with the fact that there are some, some people that are just like that, mm-hmm. that are just, you evil. know, are just evil, like are just bad guys. Like there may be reasons that, that, that they ended up that way. But, but at the end of the day, like, you know, the, uh, there are some people who, who endure, uh, you know, abuse and trauma or, or whatever uh, situation that you that 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 is the 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 brew or the stew that that created this uh, you know supervillain. But there are other people who endured similar and same things who did not uh, become uh, supervillains, right? So it's like uh, uh, you know, like there's at the end of the day, you can choose whether or not you're you're good or bad. Exactly. Yeah. So now, before we kind of jumped into this already, which I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm. I think it was great what we've, we've talked about so far. But just for the audience to know, like Josh is a is a creative person and a writer, um, and he works in the field of of uh, some of the stuff we're talking about. So um, that's why we can. I mean, we can always dive deep into the stuff. But Josh is an excellent person to have on. Um, I'm sure Chris is probably when he listens to this, I probably wish he was here for these conversations as well, but we'll revisit all of this again. This is not the last time we're talking about all these subjects, but, but uh, Josh, what is like, what do you, whatever, again, whatever you're comfortable talking about in terms of your own creative stuff and what you, what you currently do um, as a job, what, what uh, insight can you give the audience in terms of some of that stuff? Yeah. Well, uh, without uh, uh, getting into too many specifics uh, for uh, sort of like legal and, also just uh, personal superstitious reasons. <laughs> um, I'm a, uh, a writer, primarily a screenwriter, and I'm also, um, I work as a video editor. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm primarily, I primarily do work as, as um, an editor. That's uh, sort of my, uh, my, uh, my day job. Um, I, I live in Los Angeles, so I'm in the, the, 
the industry town and um you know uh, uh one of the uh my freelance clients is actually um uh, uh cbs uh digital which uh, uh does a lot of the um i work on a lot of the social media uh, uh content for the uh programming on paramount plus um so basically uh, the kind of stuff i do um for them is like you know if you're scrolling through your social feed like facebook instagram twitter um and you come across like a fun little video that has to do with the cbs show like a behind the scenes thing or like you know sometimes it's like you know the the best moments of uh uh, uh you know uh niles from frazier's like his like hmm. the uh, the best insults of Niles or whatever. If like you see a video like that, like that's the kind of thing that I that I work on. Um, I'm uh, uh, um, and you know I used to want to be uh, when I was younger. I wanted to be um, sort of a uh, a writer director, like a filmmaker. I wanted to be a director, but I realized that the thing I actually liked the most was writing. Like that was actually what what I um was really most interested in um and so i sort of followed that uh uh path and it's um oh, but just also in general like i just sort of it's like i always like having creative projects a creative a creative outlet and it's interesting um you know something that i struggle with um, as I have gotten older and obviously I have more responsibilities now, I'm a father now and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to a phase in life where, uh, where my money comes from is important. And, mm-hmm. um, when I, when you make your, your passion, your professional job that um has has pros and cons and you know one of the cons is is that sometimes it's not it's not fun um you know you're you're for sale uh 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 uh, basically uh, you know like like to a degree like especially when you have a kid like you 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 need to um figure out a way to uh to make a living right and um and it's interesting um uh james off air um we had a conversation uh a few weeks ago where i was sort of talking about this and it's it's kind of interesting because like i remember when i was a kid like just for fun i would i would sit down at um a typewriter or a notebook and eventually a word processor and I would just write, like, I would just write whatever. Like, I didn't have a, a plan in mind. I didn't have an outline. I didn't have, a like, an intention or a, a story arc or a, a, a statement that I was trying to make. Like, I like I just had this, it was just, like, free-flowing creativity that, that, that was, I mean, you know, like, that's what I fell in love with. And it becomes tricky because the more you do it, the more you learn about it, the more high stakes it becomes, especially when it's something you try uh, to do as your profession. Um, 
you know, I still, I still love it. Obviously, like I don't, like I don't. Uh, there's nothing I want to do more, but it becomes um, tricky to uh, to have your work also be your your um, your outlet uh, because sometimes those two things come in direct conflict mm. uh, with each other. Um, uh, well, I, w- I would ask, well, sorry. Oh, yeah, go, sorry. No, no. Well, uh, I was going to ask, cause Chris, Chris has asked this to another uh, future guest of the, of the podcast um, about the creative process. So how, how do you balance your creativity of your personal stuff that for fun versus like the stuff you got to go do for work? Still figuring that out, man. Hmm. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still figuring that out. The, um, well, uh, because uh, the the uh, uh, the slightly longer answer is that I always have um, multiple projects kind of cooking at the same time, um, it, and you know what I realize happens is that so you know like I do one uh, that sort of it's like you know a one for them. Uh, one for me sort of thing but the ones for me because of how my brain works and like you know there's like a certain amount of of experience and opportunity that like you see like the other uh, the quote-unquote ones for me the small little things uh, that i'm just sort of noodling with on my own they end up turning into larger kind of unwieldy things that 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 um i see the potential to be uh, you know, more of a, I don't know how to say this, like a, like a, you know, more of a real thing, like more like something with some, uh, perhaps uh, commercial viability. Right. Um, and then it, it sort of becomes larger than what I had intended it as. Like that seems to happen uh, quite a lot. So I've actually been trying to figure out um, if there's another, uh, medium that I don't know anything about, like, you know, music or mm. I also used to draw when I was a kid. Um, I've been trying to, I've been meaning to pick that up again, like to just like to draw for myself and not, not, uh, really, um, you know, be so married to the, the, um, the output, the quality of the output. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's a tricky balance. And I think that anyone who does creative work will tell you that the, the constant struggle is like separating yourself from, from the work because it requires a certain degree of passion and personal connection to, to do it. And the balance of like, you know, when it, no longer becomes yours or like, you know, you, 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 it becomes, uh, you know, it starts to feel like, uh, like work, you know, I think that just, that's the, uh, the part of it that is just sort of always there. I think the real trick is to, uh, uh just, um, speaking for myself, uh, personally is, uh, uh, to come up with something that, you know, uh, like I specifically want to uh, uh, write uh, uh, for television, but uh, you know, I mean, I've done web series in the past. I made an independent film, a super independent film. Like it, it's it, it, it's like a no 
it's like a it's like I made it for five thousand uh, dollars um, about ten plus years ago. Um, it's it's sort of interesting because for me a lot of the fun was like figuring out how to do it and like like learning on the job like the the doing of it was the uh, uh the fun of it but um and you know what what comes out on the other end uh comes out but then once you start to you know professionalize it like the output matters the quality of the the output is sort of the only thing that matters actually and that that kind of changes the uh the uh the calculus so josh does let me see if this is a fair question to ask um is the feeding of the muse does it conflict with basically the feeding putting food on the table does does the artistic uh artistic um muse again uh, conf- uh battle the uh the real world um uh, responsibilities. I would say I would say no. Um, uh, my trouble is just making sure the muse is is fed. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that answer. <laughs> yeah, the uh, 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 because yeah, I, I you know you know knock on wood. Um, I haven't had a a horror story experience like you know actually um uh, uh my freelance editing work has actually i think really helped uh me as a writer because it has taught me how to handle notes and feedback mm-hmm. and it has um you know really put me in the mindset so because so because obviously like like even when i was an editor when i was starting out um you know, the work I was doing was not, I mean, super personal, but, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. So when I did something I thought was right, and I would, I would get a note that's like, no, we don't like this, we want it like this, like, I would kind, like, in the very beginning, I would be like, well, no, like, that's stupid. Like, I don't, I don't agree with this. Like, you're wrong. But, but, but they, I very quickly learned, you know, especially in a situation like that, uh, where it was a lot easier for me to separate myself uh, from the work because again at the end of the day like I would uh, 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 you know like it was not a personal project mm. but at the end of the day like you know you are hired to do a job and you uh, uh, you are you you are delivering what they want right so mm. your job is to facilitate um their goals and to help them get what they want. So, so, you know, um, and that really, uh, because of my, my work as, as an editor, I think that has really helped me, um, you know, again, in, in terms of knowing how to, how to take notes, how to respond to feedback, how to incorporate it, uh, without, you know, um you know it's interesting like you it's like my first instinct like even still like when i get a note like i just have this like for certain projects like i just have like a i have like a a visceral 
sort of a seizing reaction where like I'm I, it's uh, but but uh, I have learned that like that I mean that is my initial uh, response uh, that like you know you just have to give yourself a minute and then you know read the note again and actually start to think about what what it is uh, that they're they're actually saying like you know what oh because there's also kind of a creativity in in uh, figuring out how to um, how to incorporate feedback right like so so like how can I um, if you view it as a creative challenge it's like okay like how can I satisfy this um, uh, note um, how can I satisfy what they are really asking for um, but have it work within what I want right sure. yeah um, feed, feed both feed feed both uh, things at the same time yeah so so and also um, I mean once again I should I should stress I have not had a bad experience um, or like a horror story where like you know uh, you know someone was asking uh, me to change like something insane like I'm very lucky in that regard I'm sure uh, you know if I continue to if I should be so lucky as to continue to go down this path I'm sure that I will I will I will have uh, uh, my own horror stories at some point um, but you know I, uh, there's an expression I don't know if you've heard this but like um, you're really looking for the note behind the note right so they might um have a piece of feedback they might um want you to change something that you may not like what their suggestion is but the trick is to be like okay what what why why did they give this note what are they responding to or not responding to that led to this suggestion mm. right mm. Uh, because uh, you know like one of the rules or not rules but like one of the uh, uh the best practices um is to sort of when you give a note like i don't like this or like you know or like you know change this it's no good like it is like to give a potential solve right like so you're not just saying like this is bad i want you to change it like you you say um i'm not sure about this um what if you did this instead right, mm -hmm. right. and so you can you can work you can you may not agree with the suggestion, but it, if you can sort of figure out the uh, the quote note behind the note, like what is it that tripped them up? What are they actually trying to fix here? Um, uh, you can find a way to 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 address that without necessarily literally. Um, doing the change that they asked you for if that makes any sense no it, it definitely definitely does um you know it's so i guess you got to find your own way to navigate through the waters of like being true to your the vision of what you are intending for the project and also i guess work and play with others in terms of whatever vision they they are intending for the project so definitely definitely yeah. makes sense i know yeah and it's also a case-by-case -case thing um and it's also uh, with i mean yeah, it's like, you know, the, it, it's really, um, 
you have to learn how to play nice with others. I mean, like you said, like that's uh, 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 that's that's really what it is. And um, if you're fortunate enough to be a little choosy with who you work with, uh, you know, ideally you find someone who who's um, their the uh, the things they like and when you like broadly align and so you know you know you can sort of trust them so uh, whatever they're saying is coming from a good place and like you know you can have a real a real conversation a real sort of um a back and forth but um yeah yeah it's it's sort of it's sort of it's sort of tricky and i kind of i kind of i accidentally wound up in a medium that is very uh collaborative it started out as something um, that was super personal and super private. Um, and it still can be that, but, um, you know, it's interesting the way that this it's, 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 it's changed, um, in, since when I was a kid and I was like, you know, learning how to make films, uh, you know, uh, when I was in high school and, you know, the late, the late nineties. And I was like, you know, trying to solve all these, uh, these, um, problems in terms of access to equipment and like, how do I do editing and how do I get the camera and how do I do all this stuff? Like, you know, it's, uh, I mean, just a few years later, like not even a full, a full generation, like there, we all have the, the capability to make a great looking cinematic movie with <laughs> the phone in our pocket. Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. incredible. And, and, uh, uh, uh uh, you know that um, it's interesting because, like, the way the way I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Like, I think the a part of what my experience of you know wanting to be a filmmaker, wanting to write screenplays, wanting to see uh, my my scripts uh you know realized on screen a part of that for me will always be associated with the the personal struggle of just figuring out how to do it how to get it done like how to how to teach myself how to how to um how to how to get the equipment how to literally figure out how to do it like it was always sort of a struggle um and i think you know initially i was kind of jealous like i remember when um when youtube uh came out i think in 2005 or 2006 and i was so mad uh because i had spent years trying to figure out and perfect video compression so that i could make my videos available in like a a a downloadable size at a certain quality like i was like trying really hard to like i did all this uh you know, research and there was this, um, video compression software that I was like, you know, really trying to get my hands on. And I was like really trying to like to crack this nut. And then when, um, when YouTube, uh, uh, came out, I was sort of like, I was sort of incredulous. I was like, wait a minute, like now, like, like, like anyone can just put a video online without all that work. Like I was sort of like, I was sort of like mad for, 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 for a little bit um uh but the uh, 
I mean, I obviously think that like the availability of uh, the tools and the the access to the information, like if you want to make a movie or I mean, or if you want to write a, a screenplay or or a novel or whatever, like you just like you go on YouTube and you can watch tutorials and you can you can very quickly learn uh like exactly how to do uh you know what you're uh, what you're trying to do like you know like in the late 90s um it, it was sort of trickier like i didn't know where to go i didn't know who 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 to ask like it was a bit uh more of a sort of a search um but like i think the availability of information and the access to the uh, the tools to do uh, creative work. I mean, I just think that's just such a great thing. And I think that um, it does, though, fundamentally change the relationship that um, I think uh, 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 people now growing up with that access, I think it changes the relationship to the work um, not necessarily in a good way or a bad way, but I think there is something to the fact that for me, I had to really fight for it. Like I had to really struggle to figure out all this stuff. Right. Mm. I think that kind of, um, instilled in me a, um, I'm really out on a limb here, guys, so I apologize if this ends up making no sense, but I think that it still didn't me this sort of, um, uh, not reverence, but kind of like a, res uh, a, 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 res a respect for the process. Like, mm -hmm. it's sort of like this kind of a, a special thing that, like, you have to know what you're doing. Like, like the, it's like you really appreciate when someone really does it well, uh, because you know how hard it is to do. And I mean, even now, like, like, it's still, it's, it's like, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world. Like it, it's, it's a miracle that any good movies are made. Like it's so hard to, uh, to get all of those things aligned and to, uh, 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 uh to end up with, um, a watchable, much less great, uh, 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 finished product. So, uh, you know, I think because there's so much uh, content now and the line between sort of like professional content and sort of quote unquote user generated content is sort of blurred exactly. from both sides. Yeah. Like, like, you know, the, uh, the pros are trying to seem more, um, uh less slick and more and more authentic and the the amateurs uh quote unquote are able to look very professional so that 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 line uh, between like the amateur and the professional is like is 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 so blurred now that uh you know it's just it's just it just it fundamentally has changed um uh, uh, you know our relationship with um, creative work, and when I say uh, creative work, like I mean, I'm I, I'm primarily 
uh, talking about uh, uh, film and TV and video, but I I, I think that also applies um, uh, to all uh, uh, to all uh, uh, to all sorts of creative media because like uh, uh, the the information is out there; it's so accessible, so you can find out exactly how to do it, exactly what you need, and there's like um, it, it, the access is there. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, no, I, I, I talk. I talk a lot. I apologize. No, no, no. It's 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 good. I mean, I feel I feel the same way. I mean, I'm I'm a been I'm still a pen and paper type of person when it comes to artwork. Like I I use Photoshop and Illustrator to touch up my artwork, but I everything I everything that comes out of me originally starts on on the page, like on a physical page. And I know there's artists and stuff on Instagram where everything is just you know the 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 pad and the digital pen and they do all that. So. Um, I have a f- more physical connection, I feel, but I, mm-hmm. that's that's me personally. I mean, I, I, I mean, a newer artist can tell me they have the same connection with their work doing it digitally than I do with the pen and the paper, or the you know the pencil and the paper, as opposed to anything else. And um, I think I think the advantage of having all the tutorials and all the knowledge out there it's all accessible, which means that now any idea, the word, it has to be in the idea, not the process anymore. Um, yeah. I guess is, I guess is the importance of it. So, um, well, Josh is, Josh is going to join us for another episode and we could, we could talk about, I think the creative process and stuff with Josh for, and you, we will, we will, we will continue to do this. Cause That's I think nice. everything you, I think everything you said is very interesting. And I, and, um, I liked, you know, I would love, we would love to have time to unpack it some more, but we will, I think the stuff that you've already talked about, Josh, leads us to a lot of things we can have in future topics when you return on the show. Um, but be- before we wrap uh, this episode up, I, and it's up to you, do you, do you, do you want the audience to connect with you or is there a place they can reach out to you or is there a place to see any work that you, that you want the world to see? What's, uh, I'll leave it open to you if you want to, uh, anything you want to promote on this podcast. Oh, sure. Um, I guess the thing that I'm most known for, um, is a web series called uh, Pioneer One, uh, which is available on on Amazon Prime. It's also on YouTube. Uh, if you go to, um, I mean, if you just uh, um, uh, Google Pioneer One, uh, one spelled out, um, I mean, it'll it'll uh, come up. It's available on a ton of platforms, and um, uh, yeah, I think that's the. Uh, uh, the number one thing I, I'm also, I'm, I'm, um, <clears throat> I have a website, uh, joshbernhard.com. I'm, I'm, I'm at Josh Bernhard on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, if that's you cool. feel compelled to get in touch with me for any reason, <laughs> uh, that's how to get in touch with me. Excellent. And I'll, we'll put all those things in the uh, show notes, the links to the website, um, Twitter, um, everything for to reach with Josh and Josh. I want to thank you for being being a great guest today. Um, much so, Josh. Thank you. We we have other like secret Mine. origins questions we didn't even get to yet, but we'll get that to you on on another time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we really appreciate it. And um, Chris, we miss you. We'll see you in a future episode. And Joe, thank you for being uh, here today as well. You're welcome as always. And uh, we will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.